Is one veteran coming off an injury about to cool off the rookie fantasy hype for his new AFC South teammate? Which NFC East running back might be setting a personal record for most catches in a season? And which rookie wideout landed in the best spot for fantasy production? Those answers to those questions and more. Plus, Andrew Schellenberg, a nine-time winner of FFPC high-stakes teams, including the defending champion in the FFPC Revelations League, will join us to talk about how his Revelations draft turned out this year, why he pounded receivers early, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. And the pressure, I've seen greater men Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Silence in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. I'm sorry. I was on mute. My apologies, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Everybody missed that. It was going to be so great. My apologies. What can I do? All right. So let's do it again. An encore. I'll do it. Here's encore. the encore. Here's the encore. Thank you, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all the ball colleagues and for LAX. It's the latest episode of the HSFFR presented by myffpc.com. I am clearly less than average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, um, like I was saying, about three months, Cincinnati, KFFSC main events, not to mention the KFFSC mains uh, before. There's no excuse not to be drafting here as we sit on May 20th, man. Uh, Bonky, uh, we sent out a mailer to the group, uh, and we do have a, a league this weekend. We have our uh, our fantastic uh, Run to Daylight series with uh, – 96 teams and a $5,000 grand prize for a $200 entry. I'm drafting at myffpc.com in uh, uh, football guys and absolutely enjoying it. But uh, guys say, oh, it's too early to draft. No, it's not. When you go back to January when, or February when we had our Super Sunday draft, there was a receiver, Sky Moore, that in our big payback league went undrafted. In most other leagues in the uh, – in uh, the Super Sunday Sweet 16s, he was drafted. Uh, good friend Jeff Joaquin picked him up in the 19th round. James Bednar and uh, Stacy Perez got him in the 18th. Uh, this player was available throughout the draft. And, Balky, you know, what a great situation to look at your draft board and realize that players is going as high in the KFFFC as sixth and seventh round now. You were able to get very, very late in the draft. So it, it's fascinating to draft all year long. You can track the players. You understand who the players are when we convene in Louisville and later then in September, the granddaddy draft of them all in the FFPC there in Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Can't wait for Kentucky. Can't wait. I mean, everything. It's all happening right now. And and if you're not in, if you're not drafting yet, you need to be drafting these online drafts right now to make sure that you are set and ready to go to win some serious money in the KFFSC and the FFPC coming up later on in the live drafting part of the season in late August. Coming up on tonight's show to help you get ready for that, we're going to elaborate on the Seattle backfield, what Dalvin Cook's minicamp receiving work means for fantasy football and more. And we're going to talk to the 2021 FFPC Revelations champ, Andrew Schellenberg, about why he likes the Jets' aerial attack this season, pun intended, Tyquan Thornton's dynasty value, and much, much more. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, 
The show is at HSFF Hour. I am at Eric Balkman. Andrew is at A.M. Schellenberg. That's A-M-S-C-H-E-L-L-E-N-B-E-R-G. And, of course, check out Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football Championship State Championship at KFFSC.com. Facebook.com slash HSFF Hour. You can post on our Facebook page there. High Stakes Fantasy Football at gmail.com is where to reach us. If you have any questions for us, get those questions in now. We'll try to get to all of them, including the tweets, the Facebook posts, and more in our fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce, and of course, our producer and mutual friend, Rob. As a reminder, for those of you wondering, the uh, 2022 FFPC main event early bird ends in 11 days. You can sign up right now. Not only will you get $100 off your first team, you'll be entered into that pros versus Joes drawing, which we'll be drawing those in about roughly two weeks from now or so. We'll announce them live on this show to see if you got in or not. And you can save $500 off each additional team. Remember, for the first time ever this year, that additional team discount will still take place after May 31st, but it won't be as good as you get right now. So make sure you're getting those additional teams in right now at myffpc.com. The Football Guys promo uh, is, is off and running. $35 discount when you register before June 30th and draft before July 15th. 2022 FFPC Best Ball Tournament Grand Prize and Prize Pool doubled. Make sure you're registering for that. $125 could win you $200,000. The inaugural Superflex Best Ball Tournament is off and running. Dynasty Startups available. In fact, we got a few very, very close to filling tomorrow morning. And of course, slow, live, sit and go. All best ball options at myffpc.com. Do not forget about the run to daylight competition, the Draft Masters, and the KFFSC main event at kffsc.com. Make sure you're registering for those right now. Let's get in to the meat of the show, and we'll kick things off in the desert in Arizona. Jeff Howe, who can, uh, covers the uh, Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals for the Athletic, says that Marquise Brown is, quote, in line to be paid like one of the best receivers in the NFL. The Cardinals will probably have to pay up for him after they not only picked up his fifth-year uh, option, but they traded for him during the NFL draft in a trade with the Baltimore Ravens. He turns 25 years old this year. He came off a career year in 2021. That's a little bit misleading because, while it was a career year, I think it was a tale of two seasons. Got off to a great start, kind of tailed off after that. Now, he played with um, Kyler Murray in college at Oklahoma. DeAndre Hopkins, certainly not in his prime anymore, at least in my opinion, he's not. And the Cardinals could look to Marquise Brown as their uh, future um, number one receiver. As we look at Fantasy Mojo, the Mojo, as Farrell likes to call it right now, mm -hmm. at FantasyMojo.com, we shout out Darren Armani for giving us all this great ADP data in the Football Guys Players Championship at FantasyMojo.com. Marquise Brown going off as wide receiver 24 at the 506. Farrell, that is right behind Allen Robinson and Michael Thomas. It is right before Mike Williams and Jerry Judy. Given his connection with Kyler Murray, given that this is a much more wide-open offense in Arizona than he was dealing with in Baltimore, mid-fifth round, does that seem a little bit too low for you for Marquise Brown as the wide receiver 24? No, I think it's a little bit too late, and he's keeping company with guys that are a bit of a mystery. And, you know, Marquise Brown remained a mystery based on some of the back and forth between the coach, the organization, and the quarterback. Uh, Marquise Brown in this offense should do well. And yes, if I were the if I were the Cardinals, I would try to get this guy to the bargaining table even quicker because they set a course here and a narrative for him to be a success, for him to be a superstar, and him to be the go-to guy. I would want to pay him now rather than pay him later. It's going to cost more money later as we move through uh, the different revenue shares and what's happening with the salary cap. A bigger salary cap is forthcoming next year. I'd like to get this player locked up as soon as I could. Um, we had a question from the uh, chat right now. We'll get to him. It's Tyler Buxton. He wants to know how, uh, where sh uh, how do we feel about J.K. Dobbins? Now, Farrell, this is interesting because we talked about this Ravens uh, running attack. And I think, and I don't, you know, listen, anybody who is a religious listener and watcher of the show is going to say, Balky changes his mind more than he changes <laughs> his clothes, which is kind of true. But I feel like earlier in the season, I was in on Dobbins. Now, yeah. with Gus Edwards coming back, with the signing of Mike Davis, with the addition of, help me with, the, I know I ask you this every week, Farrell, Tyler Beatty, or is it Batty? Batty. Batty. Tyler Batty, they draft. I'm, I'm a little bit soured on investing an early round pick in the Ravens running game. JK, uh, J.K. Dobbins running back 21 at the 409. I'm out on him there. Ezekiel Elliott, Travis Etienne, Antonio Gibson, and Josh Jacobs are all going in that area. I'm, I'm really, I don't know what to... Uh, I don't know what to think about the Ravens running game. 
So while I'm not willing to in, uh, invest uh, a fourth round pick in J.K. Dobbins, I might be willing to invest a late best ball uh, round pick in Tyler uh, Tyler Batty or um, Mike Davis. How do you feel about Dobbins in the fourth? Uh, how do I feel about Dobbins in the fourth is run, run. He was in the third earlier. Uh, I like uh, second string running backs at teams that have good running attacks better than I like what you could do with the number one back in uh, in the Ravens backfield, even if we knew who he was. Uh, there's a lot of talent back there. It's a team rushing game with, with a lot of the rushing coming through the quarterback. Um, this is uh, this is not what you want to take the risk on at the, that position with how that team wants to look in this coming year. It's a tight end, short pass oriented team where the quarterback's encouraged to take off and use his legs. Uh, you, you don't want to be part of this. If you do want to be part of this, Batty in the best ball is interesting because he, he caught over 50 passes at Mizzou last year. And that's a real football uh, conference, although Mizzou was a struggling team. Well, we don't know. I mean, according to Nick Saban, um, we don't know how many players Missouri's paying for either there. So that, that's something that we'll have to figure out. In the you walk. know, these college coaches are real good at pointing that finger on <laughs> yes, they, they are really, really good. It ought to make the uh, it ought to make the media conference very entertaining when they all get together. That, that's show. exactly what I thought of. And I also thought about late August, you know, when I'm commissioning all these football guys drafts, drafting in the KFFSC, I always get excited for the first couple ESPN college football game days of the year. And mm -hmm. and I gotta believe that that is gonna lead the first one when we get to late August, is this Saban uh, Jimbo Fisher. Uh, war of words. Um, it was fun. And uh, I don't think it's over with yet uh, either. In any event, let's bring it back to fantasy football. Robert Woods, who tore his ACL last year with the Rams, says he feels really, really good in his recovery, according to the Tennessee Titans, TennesseeTitans.com. Mm -hmm. Quote, I actually feel like they're kind of holding me back a little bit. I'm trying to get yep. back as well as I can, just doing everything as uh, the trainer has me doing, trying to stay focused and be patient with it. Right now, I feel really, really good getting going, being able to do some things. Now, here, um, here's the thing. Um, the Athletic has already reported that he would be ready for training camp. The Titans invested a first-round pick into Traylon Burks after they traded A.J. Brown to the Eagles. So, Farrell, the question is here. Um, all this hype is around Traylon Burks right now. I was never a big fan of him. It doesn't really matter because clearly the Titans are a big fan of him. We found out the Titans are going to be force-feeding him um, passes this year as well. Now, as we look at the uh, the mojo on this one, Traylon Burks in the Football Guys Players Championship over the last week, wide receiver 37 at 707. Robert Woods, if we look at his ADP, wide receiver 43 at the 902. Farrell, I am much more willing to invest a pick in the ninth round for Robert Woods or even the late eighth round for Robert Woods than I am in Traylon Burks in the seventh round. Convince me I'm wrong or tell me I'm right. No, Balky, I've got to agree with you. And I think that disparity of those picks, uh, th those average draft picks uh, that Darren provides us with may grow because um, Robert Woods, and we've talked before on this show about how the training staff in certain teams are very, very important. That they should win the MVP sometimes and how they keep a team together. Uh, so you look at, uh, at this player, who's made a career of being the second fiddle guy, but being very, very productive. He's going to be the number one guy down here. We looked at all the rookie wide receivers that came into the league last year. Some of them put up good numbers. Some of them struggled. All of them have their struggles adapting. I think the most uh, eloquently spoken uh receiver uh, would be uh, Rashad Bateman, who talked about how he learned to play in the Baltimore system. Point to your question. The money here that you should play in the draft is on Woods. That's the good pick in the ninth round. It's a better pick than what you'll be getting when Woods is healthy, shows a little bit in one of the three preseason games, and that uh, receiver uh, uh, quarterback lock-in with, uh, uh, with Tannehill develops nicely in Tennessee. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you on that. I'm glad we're locking stuff on that. And every, every time you agree with me, Farrell, I feel my my love for the game is renewed. So <laughs> I appreciate that for sure. And to quote uh, Billy Bean and Moneyball. Uh, Chad Graff, who covers the Minnesota Vikings for The Athletic, um, said that uh, Dalvin Cook this past week in OTAs lined up in bunch wide receiver uh, formats. This is interesting. Our mm -hmm. formations, I should say. So 
Um, Graf said Dalvin Cook lining up in in bunch receiver sets in multiple formations. He said that this is something that could be something they use in the re- regular season. Could also be something they're just throwing against the wall in May and see if it sticks. Um, Kevin O'Connell is expected to make this a more um, passing-oriented offense rather than the running game. And if you put Dalvin Cook out there, a guy who's been very successful catching the ball not only in college but in pros as well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, Dalvin Cook had the the, the domestic thing, and I don't want to make light of that in the offseason, so there is a potential uh, possibility of suspension here. However, with knowing what we've heard from from many, from the OTAs with, with the Vikings right now, knowing that um, he could be catching more passes – you look at Dalvin Cook, uh, the mojo on him and the football guys' players' championship. Again, over the last week, he's moved up a little, running back six at the 111. Farrell, it used to be, especially in Kentucky too, that if you had a late first-round pick, you're probably going receiver-receiver. I think mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook bucks that trend this year, and I think if Dalvin Cook is sitting there at the 109, the 110, 111, or whatever, you got to pounce on him. Um, this could be nothing. Or it could be something, and I'm willing to take that risk on Cook at the late first. You know, and I would be too. Um, I had him uh, employed on a couple of dynasty teams. It was one of the reasons um, why I adopted them is because Cook was on the roster. Listen, I, I appreciate the coach and what he's doing here. And, yeah, you're going to experiment with your talented players. Could it be something that they're just fooling around with early in camp? I don't know. Uh, You don't spend a lot of time on the field. Most everything that you're doing in this time of the year is very, very mental and very, very much playbook. So if they're doing this, it's part of the playbook. And with a weapon like this, I would want to do anything I could to confuse the defenses. So if I can move Cook around and create some confusion and some disorientation on the defense for a few plays, I'm all for it. Uh, Cook, as a pass catcher, once he gets that ball in his hands, it's a beautiful thing. I was watching a, a replay of a game this week. And, you know, you fall in love with the idea of drafting him wherever you are in the first round just by watching him play. Good things coming out of Minnesota. I don't think you ought to start talking about having Madison and Cook on the field together and that type of thing. But anytime that the, uh, a new coach wants to uh, put a wrinkle in his offense and can do it with Cook, uh, with a player like Cook's skill set, it's it's great to do. And and all that being said, I'll finish up by saying that uh, Kirk Cousins' cuddle remains the, the bargain of all quarterback drafts. If you look at his numbers last year and expect him to do better this year, um, how fascinating it is that you can get him. Darren uh, Darren may have numbers on that that you can share, Balky, but I've, I've always found that Cook's, uh, especially this year, is a great bargain. You know, Cousins is a guy that um, I – you know, and I haven't gone full steam ahead in drafting yet this season. I've drafted a few of them and I haven't gotten them anywhere, but I feel that Farrell as Kirk Cousins is not the type of guy who, you know, we get excited about as we get no. closer to the main event. And I feel like right now, he as he sits, quarterback 16 right now in the football guys players championship, a late 14th round pick. Man, if you're like me and you wait on quarterback to get Cousins as your backup, he could be your every week starter as we move to the second half of the season. This is a guy that I love his offense. I love the players around him. I love what they're doing there. I think there's a lot to like about Kirk Cousins this year, given his value and dress. We shall see how that goes uh, going forward. Now, um, Andrew Schellenberg has the ball cap off. He's got the helmet on. He's warming up on the sideline. We're going to bring him on in a little bit. The last thing I want to say is another shout out to Tyler Buxton, one of our viewers tonight. Um, about Saquon Barkley. Now, Dan Dugan, who covers the Giants for the Athletics, says he expects Saquon Barkley to catch a ton of passes in Brian Dable's new offense. Now, as um, as uh, NBC Sports Edge points out, where we got this from, it's still May. We're in shorts. This is one beat writer's opinion. There's a lot going on here. However, Saquon Barkley already has a 91-catch season um, yes. under his belt, Okay. Barkley, when he's healthy, he is insanely good. Daniel Jones, say what you will, and I know Dayball has already said he wants Jones to throw the ball downfield more this year, and he's obviously mm-hmm. going to have the opportunity with Darius Slayton, the newly drafted Wandale Robinson on the team as well. But he is always, um, you know, not throwing the ball downfield. He's checked it down. So if Barkley is healthy, and if he is going to catch a ton of passes in this offense, Farrell, you look at Saquon Barkley's ADP, who is – you know, just a few years, you know, three years ago, dude was like the 101. 
And now you look at where he's going in, in the Football Guys Players Championship over the last week. Now, he has gone up a little bit, but not a ton. 208, running back 10. I can definitely be down on that or down for that. And I know people would say, well, you know, I've been burned by Barkley before. Second round pick, Balky. This could burn my whole draft. Yes, it could. And if you're drafting only one team, which I would never recommend, maybe no. you're aware from it. But if you're like most people Here. and you're drafting multiple teams, I'd definitely take a couple of stabs at Saquon Barkley at the 208. Oh, on my inaugural slow draft uh, football guys team, I was praying that he would get back to me. And he went to – I was for the number four position, and I'm in that second round just praying that he could get back to me where I could pair him with Austin Eckler. I did not get him. Uh, you know, since that 91 catch season, when we look at Barkley, we've always said, gosh, the, the, the more he should have more carries. Remember when he would have 10 or 10 or 11 carries in the first half and then they wouldn't give him the ball much in the second half. You scratch your head about that. Was it because he wasn't healthy or because it was, what was, you know, and those people are gone. There's a new coach there. He's going to play his best players, put them in position to win. Uh, this is the year to be in the Barkley business. I think as we approach the draft, he wasn't, he won't move much back to the first round. Uh, but he'll move up in that second round and, and you'll have to get him at the turn to get him at all. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, you know, you got to understand, especially if you're drafting early, this is the type, and we'll talk with Andrew Schellenberg about this in a little bit, but these mm -hmm. are the types of, of players you want to take the chances on. Now you, you want to get value on these guys because a guy like Barkley, as long as he stays healthy through the summer and training camp, this is a guy who's, who's, whose arrow is going to be pointing up. You want to get a value. You want to draft early. Get him now, for sure. That's how we feel about it. Let's bring in tonight's guest, ladies and gentlemen, right now. He is the self-described, and I'll anoint him too, myself, FFPC Newcomer of the Year in 2019. <laughs> since then, since 2019, three Football Guys Players Championship League titles, four FFPC Main Event League titles. He also won last year's FFPC Revelations Championship. He was the winner and then runner-up in the first two years of existence of the Pros vs. Joes Superflex Dynasty League number 166. Now he's back this year with bigger uh, things in mind, trying to win a million bucks in the main event, trying to win $500,000 in the Players' Championship. He might do both. We'll find out. Uh, you follow him on Twitter at AM Schellenberg. That's A-M-S-C-H-E-L-L-E-N-B-E-R-G. Please welcome onto the program the defending Revelations champion, Andrew Schellenberg. Champ, thanks for joining is. us tonight. Balky Farrell, nice to see you both. It's it's good to be loved. I, I love being loved with the intro. We love you, obviously, and and I also I and I I kind of already knew this, but with with um with the one of the photos you sent me confirmed. You're a big Florida State fan as well, right? Huge Florida State fan. Went went there, graduated 2010. My my years were the dark years. Uh, yes. All all four coincided with Tim Tebow's four years. Went 0 and four. Absolute disasters this season. Uh, or seasons, I should say. Um, but we had we had a couple bright spots after I graduated, and you know we've turned right back into the dark days. I have been as, and I think I've I've told Farrell this. Now I grew up, and, and I'm still living Northeast Wisconsin. But back in the early '90s, I loved Charlie Ward because yeah. it was so rare to see a guy excel both on the basketball court and the green. Yeah. I became a Florida State fan. Obviously, Deion Sanders before that was tremendous. So I've been a Florida State fan ever since. Loved what Bobby Bowden did with Peter Warwick and, and everything like at the turn of the century, right? Yeah. And then obviously Calvin Benjamin, Jameis Winston, loved every minute of that as well. And since then, it's been rough. I feel like we might be turning the corner, Andrew, right now. I don't know how you feel about that. I go into every year cautiously optimistic. Uh, got, got my email today actually to sort out my LSU tickets. They kick off. They play week zero. Um, I can't remember who it's against, but they play week one on that Sunday before Labor Day against LSU in the Caesar Superdome in New Orleans. So already got my tickets, called my booster rep and said, uh, one, one more hint, hint, wink, wink. Please put me lower bowl 50 yard line. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how well my uh, my booster rep will, uh, will will hook me up. But, you know, Balky, the problem is we don't have a W quarterback. We yeah. had uh, Ward, Winky, and then Winston, all three Heisman winners. So we just got to roll back the uh, the W quarterback and we'll be all right again. Well, well it, Travis is still there, right, Jordan Travis? It's just okay. jo Jordan Wavis as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> We're just roll with that going forward. Yeah, just ch yeah change the nameplate, please. Um, so hopefully the warm-up at the Doak against Duquesne We'll okay, get this thank you. team ready for the Bayou Bengals. Yeah. We will see on that. Thank In you. any event, we've talked Florida State enough. 
uh, Andrew, when you're not winning all these FFPC leagues, when you're not being the newcomer of the year in 2019, what are you doing for a living in Florida? Uh, I, I like how you phrase the question in Florida. I actually, so I'm a CPA, not a tax accountant. I don't even, don't even have confidence in doing my own taxes, but I'm a, uh, a technical accountant, uh, con technical accounting consultant, if you will. I spend like 80% of my time on the road, constantly in planes, constantly on airport delays. And all so, over the country. All, all, all over the country. Um, and so kind of my specialty is distress, bankruptcy, pre-bankruptcy for all, all corporations. So, so pretty niche, pretty interesting. Um, but you know, flight delays and, and being on planes allow me plenty of time to fiddle on my phone uh, and mess with uh, mess with drafts and and trades and, and fantasy lineups. You know, uh, and Balky, he is available. One of the great things I, have, I love about Andrew is, is he is he's available on the phone regularly. I call him around the clock. I, I call him around the clock for advice. I got great, you know, and and you he, you are a bright shining star, sir. A young shining star of the KFFSC, the FFPC as well. I tried to look up uh, everything you've won here. I couldn't get it all down on my pad, and you've only been playing with us with a couple of years. Um, I, I looked into something, though, and I, I've been trying to get better. Uh, sometimes I'll play around on my phone. I'll, I'll look at, uh, you know, Balky and I doing a little podcast action, and I will uh, try to see some of the ways that I can get better. It's very, very painful to listen to, uh, including the fact that in one episode, I referred to Kyle Pitts as uh, Willis, who is actually Kevin Willis. Now, to show you, underneath all this gray hair, there the roads are all connected, but yeah. some of them need repair. Some of them are closed for it's just not getting through. Kevin Willis was an offensive center, uh, naturally in basketball, he would be an offensive center. He was seven foot tall. He was yeah. coming in and to Atlanta, this great physical athlete to change uh, the Atlanta Hawks' future. And that takes me back to 1984. So we're dealing with something 38 years ago now. 38 years ago. So I'm in a situation where I'm, 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 I'm trying to understand why I'm calling Pitts Willis, and that's what it is, a great long athlete who's coming to change the face of Atlanta sports. And, you know, so that's why I'm making a mistake in relation to Pitts. And I go on here, it's something like, it's almost like a horror show. This bright shining light of a player such as yourself goes into an FFPC draft in the middle of the second round, chooses a tight end. It's not anyone that I would ever confuse with Pitts. It's not Darren Waller. It's Pitts. You take Kyle Pitts in the middle of the second round instead of this elite athlete making his way in the desert. Uh, and and I, I need some sort of explanation on this as to how this could happen and what you were thinking. See, I, I was always thinking uh, Kyle Pitts is more of a uh, evolutionary Kevin Willis. I was thinking him a, mm -hmm. a, a Theo Ratliff type of player. <laughs> You've never even heard of Kevin Willis? No, I, well, I, I, looked, I looked him up and all I was thinking was Theo Ratliff. So uh, I, 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 I assume they look like uh, uh, similar players. They both look like Ratliff was the better defender. Yeah. But, but Willis was the better, like, traditional post guy on the offensive end. Both very effective, though. Okay. I love it. I love it. Okay, all right. Did, did I deflect enough? No. Um, <laughs> I Actually, this question, when I saw it on the show sheet, made me uh, a little self-conscious. So I, I went yeah, and sure. to, to, <laughs> to, to Fancy Mojo. And you know what? I, I thought I was going to be so off base here. And it looks like from ADP, it looks like Kyle Pitts is still ahead of Darren Waller. Now, I will say, and I, I, you know, and call people out who are in the back end of the draft. I was, I was worried that he'd be, he'd go even beforehand. Now I knew I wasn't going to get Andrews back, um, but I was, I was thinking in my mind, and again, projecting maybe here a little bit. I was thinking Pitts would go um, before he could get back to me, which you know would have changed my plan going in. Um, in terms of the player, I want to make a bet on him as a rookie season tight end, which we know is difficult, especially if we, you know, think of our rookie drafts that we just had here. You know, we're not going to take a lot of rookies expecting to make big impacts, but I think he went six, 60 something thousand and only one touchdown. I think he's got plenty of room to run, um, especially uh -huh. in, a, in a second year leap for Kyle Pitts. And so um, I, I think it was, it was just that looking at the, looking at the pure upside, um, I wanted to buy into potential upside. Whereas, you know, I know Darren Waller's done it before, but you know, I just, I, I want to be before any drop-off players. I don't want any players to turn to dust on me in the middle of the season. 
Did you have because you went? I and, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I should have it in front of me. I don't. Did you go Eckler in the first round? Yeah, first Eckler. Round? Okay, so you yes. get Eckler. Was was the was the plan sort of like I want to get an elite tight end here in the second, or just see what was available? So I actually, I yeah, so I made a. Uh, you have a question here, right? And it's do you have a plan going in? And I love having a plan going in. Um, and my plan was to get either Jeff, uh, Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, um, and then I, I think. And I, I mentioned this, uh, you know, I do the Goat District podcast, which, you know, God bless them for letting me go on there um, every once in a while. Um, but I had told them that if I was ranking these players, um, I would probably have something like Kelsey Andrews Pitts before I turn back to the running backs. Okay. However, uh, you know, going to like the Pitts strategy, my thought was that it is more likely that one of those three falls, now unlikely Kelsey or Andrews, based on how the drafts were falling. Um, but perhaps I could get a Pitts back if I went running back first. Um, so to me, and last year, I, you know, as you mentioned, did win revelations. I started my draft with, with Austin Eckler, which was a plan going in. Mm. This year, I took him again about the same spot, uh, but he was more of like a backup plan than he was a primary plan. Yeah, it's weird because like we've seen, I mean, I, I think, um, oh God, I think it was last Sunday night, um, football guys draft, Eckler went at the 101. Um, yeah. So he's, yep. he's kind of all over the place for sure. Um, let's switch to receivers here, Andrew. Um, we often see a receiver run for several teams in best ball leagues where they'll go receiver, receiver, receivers, you know, like go ahead, so forth. Um, from the fourth until the 10th round in, in this draft, <laughs> you went receiver. So yep. I think you went running back, tight end, running back, and then seven straight receivers. So when you knew you were picking in the middle of the first round, did you kind of have it in the back of your head like, hey, let's get two running backs, at, at an elite tight end right away, and let's pound these wideouts? Or was this just a case where – Every time it swung back to you in the middle of the round, you're like, this receiver looks good. Oh, this was, you know, like one of those things. How did that sort of come to fruition for you? Yeah. So, so a couple of things. I, I think the, well, I'll step through the, uh, the third round, really. Brees Hall was not thinking Brees Hall there, did take him relatively early, but this was a situation, especially, uh, you know, I do have the board up. If I look at the players who went behind him in that three, four wrap, I just don't think he would have come back to me. And I put this in the situation of a, you know, practice how I'm going to play. Um, I know this is a self-contained league, but if I think of, again about how the last year went, I was dead in the water, as two Packers review uh, <laughs> would, 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 would tell you. Um, but but it's, it was a team that turned the corner in that midseason, and I, and I want to continue to have teams like that, even if this is not a tournament team and I don't need them to be spiking in the last three weeks. I still want them to be having an upward trajectory towards the middle of the season instead of, again, going back to the dust comment, turning to dust. So I think it was really Brees Hall in that third round, coupled with the, the the pits, that basically told me the board is completely open. I do not need to take another tight end, potentially if at all, unless value fell to me. And with Eckler and Brees Hall on the board, I could really wait and kind of like steal my stomach through those rounds. Um, and 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 so to your to your question, every time I came up, it wasn't like I was purposely going to just go a streak of yellow. But I really did find it very hard to turn back into a running back, a quarterback, uh, or a tight end at any time during there. So I just kept saying, okay, I will take some of the second-year potential breakouts or some of these rookies. So it wasn't you the know, plan. It just, it just worked out like – and I, want, I don't want to yeah. say you're doing BPA, but it kind of was a little bit of BPA there where yeah. you end up loading up at all these receivers. I, 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 really, I really think that that's the way when I – and again, I, I had an idea of like yeah. I wanted to go heavy receivers, no doubt about that. But just in terms of like the streak, the way it ended up looking was like purely based on how I was able to open up the board to myself with the pits and then the two running back start. Well, when you know the players, BPA is a foolproof system. And my friend, you know the players and you're made for playing in uh, Kentucky as well as Las Vegas, because not only are you going to cash some big checks, but you have never met a wide receiver that you don't like. <laughs> and you've got two. You've got two that I really like, Garrett yeah. Wilson and Elijah Moore on the same team. And I think that uh, Moore and I, has a very, very high ceiling, and I, I believe the answer. And, Balky, I'm, go I'm going to have to excuse myself to take care of a uh, personal matter upstairs, but I want, I'd, I'd like you to follow up. I believe what these guys have in common – is an ascending quarterback, and I hope that's part of your answer. And gentlemen, I'll be back in a moment. Well, and that's at the end. And and Andrew, let me just follow up on that too. Like with with what Farrell's talking about is you get more, you get Wilson. Maybe when you answer this question, 
about Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. You can talk a little bit about Zach Wilson as well. Yeah, the the Wilson connection there. You, you know, you know, it's interesting. Again, this is a situation where sort of in the zone, like not not now, Chief. I'm in the zone. I was, you know, working through the player list, and when you know Elijah Moore is a target for me last year, he's going to be a target for me this year. Love him in the sixth round. When I came up for the tenth round pick, and again, I've got the board up. Um, Alave went nine eleven, and then Sky Moore went ten one, and Garrett Wilson was still there at ten six. And so I think from my perspective of, again, seeing how the board fell and like the wide receivers that I want to have, I would have still loved to have the upward trajectory wide receivers. They would have been on my list for sure. It just so happens that I have Garrett Wilson likely ahead of both of them. Yeah, Mm. definitely ahead of both of them. Mm. And when they both went, I was still in the mode of, well, I'm going to continue to take a wide receiver here. I like the board. And it just so happened that he was my best player available. Now, I did middle of the draft kind of when I looked up and, and had like a moment to think uh, when the board moves away from me here of like, well, I guess I guess I've just bought in on the Jets this year. Um, so so in terms of what was my initial reaction, um, it, it was not a play on. Yeah, I got to get the Jets on board, although, you know, from the situation, I also have Brees Hall. So maybe I should should be a little <laughs> bit more uh, on board. But, I, you know, I, I'm certainly tied to Zach Wilson. I do not think he went in this draft. Um, and not to skip ahead in your, your show sheet, but probably uh, probably delves in, in into one of the quarterback questions. But I I do think that they've certainly given Zach Wilson the weapons. Do I believe in him quite yet? N- no. Um, but I also don't necessarily need him to be a superstar uh, for some of his weapons to be productive. So and it's not like you were targeting these Jets receivers. No. <laughs> it just it just came to be a point where like okay, yeah, looking at the board here. Okay, Elijah Moore. Yep, I like him at this spot. Okay, Garrett Wilson's out there. You already have Olave. And who was the other one that you said? The other rookie? Sky Moore. Sky Moore went 10 more. Right, exactly. It's like, Garrett Wilson's staring at me. So it was one of those things. It's like, you're not necessarily targeting the Jets pass game. You're not necessarily (laughs) saying the Jets pass game is going to be so great. But at that point, with those players, it made sense for that team. And and I think that's right. And and obviously, I wish I had like a, a deeper answer for you. But maybe my takeaway here is, you know, being in that zone and looking at what I thought was best player available. I think what my lesson to myself is like, hey, I, I don't shy away. If if I think that they could potentially have breakouts, th- then just go ahead and take him and we'll see what happens. We've got a whole summer to see if he progresses, what that team ultimately looks like. So um, the, the Zach Wilson, will he, won't he uh, 2022 season did not scare me away from being pretty heavily tied to him with uh, two rookies and uh, and one second year player there. Um, I was covering, uh, no, not covering, but I had to do a, a, I do a radio show here in Northeast Wisconsin. And, um, we, we were doing a draft thing, a draft night thing for the first round. And there's a lot of surprises, obviously, but I'll tell you, and I'll never, and this is weird, one of those thing, weird things, cause it didn't affect the Packers at all, but I was checking my phone, watching the draft and I actually stumbled backwards and clutched myself against the wall. When I saw the Eagles had acquired AJ Brown from the Titans. Never saw this coming. Everything we heard was that the Titans loved him. They wanted to keep him. They, that you know, um, Brable said, as long as I'm the coach, he's going to be a Titan. Yeah. And then I see this happen on draft night, you know, of, of all things. It, it just, it, like, it was unbelievable. Very few things buckle my knees in pro sports anymore. That buckled That me. one did, yeah. Okay, so looking forward now. A.J. Brown to the Eagles. You grab Devontae Smith in the seventh round here. I don't want to say you've already answered this question. No, I but it, yeah. going forward, Andrew, if you're getting Devontae Smith in the seventh round, knowing AJ Brown's there, does that make Smith a nice value here? Because yeah. if Brown wasn't traded, dude's going a lot higher. Yeah, I I love this pick. Um, and I, you know, I don't need like the the Chase Higgins situation. Like, I don't need people, I don't need Devontae and AJ Brown to be two top 12 wide receivers. Again, I'm just I'm looking for upside as the year goes along. Um, having two good passing game options, I, I want that. There's plenty of targets to go around. And, you know, yeah, yeah, Goddard's there, but there's really not not many wide receivers behind them. Um, Rager's a nothing. Uh, Rager's a nothing. Quez Watkins is a nothing. Um, yeah, they may pass to some of their backs out of the backfield with Sanders and Gainwell. But but ultimately, there's plenty of targets to go around for AJB and Devonta Smith. Um, I think that this is a sweet spot of, you know, you can convince yourself, you know, e- either one of two arguments of, of, hey, there goes all the targets, or uh, or you, you know he's um or, or he's he's helping take away coverage. You know, I think that he's sitting in a real sweet spot of yeah, the targets are going to be there. The team is going to pass. Um, you know, again, Jay, they're giving Jalen Hurts the weapons, and so I, I think you're totally right. If he if if AJ Brown is not on the Eagles, 
I can't get Devonta Smith in the seventh round. And I still think he has plenty of upside to return the seventh round value uh, plus some as the season wears on. That's just crazy. Like looking at it right now, Devonte Smith is wide receiver 38 in the football guys players championship over the last week. He's behind Thielen, Drake London and Traylon Burks. And, and he is um, going right before Hunter Renfro and Brandon Ayuk at, at the 708. You know, it's just yep. to me. And, and I don't know, Andrew, maybe that's a commentary on the depth of receiver this year. I don't know how you feel about this. And I know I didn't prep you on this. I'm gonna throw it out there right now. I feel like for the last, Four to five years, I look at fantasy football drafts, whether it's FFPC, KFFSC, whatever. It always seems like the receiver depth is there. So I can wait on receiver and I feel good about it. But then when like the bullets start flying, I'm like, my God, my receivers suck. Like yeah. I should have targeted them early. How do you handle that in high stakes drafts where you, you could see the upside of the receivers later, but you can't always count on them from managed lineup standpoint? Uh, man, I think I think the proof's in the pudding in this draft board with the what seven straight wide receivers here. I think I think I'm going to attack. I, I know I'm going to attack them. I'm going to target them. I want them. And look, I I know they're going to miss. Like part of part of the beauty is, you know, you've got a few wide receiver ones, and then you've got a bunch of wide receiver threes and fours. And so I want more opportunities to potentially get access to the ones who are going to break out this year. I want more bullets in the chamber for that upside, knowing that. And I'm just going to be honest. Like, I, I think that there's plenty. And I don't know if he went in this draft, but like, I'll use a guy like Kendrick Bourne, who, like, I would grant you, he's probably pretty usable this year. There's going to be plenty of Kendrick Bournes that are going to be sitting there on the waiver wire. And what I don't want to be doing is I don't want to be targeting with my fab the Kendrick Bourne types. I don't want to be spending money there. I want to be using $997 on Elijah Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. Then maybe, and then maybe a kicker in week 13. You know, I, 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 I don't, I do not want to spend fab capital on these like end of bench wide receivers. They're going to be plenty and they're all interchangeable. And, and uh, okay. So not that I, Farrell, not that I want to shift this to dynasty. Cause I know Andrew's a very accomplished dynasty player as well. Oh yes, he is. But there were there was an interesting phenomenon as we move yeah. on to the next question here about the rookies that we see on uh, on Andrew's uh, squad as he tries to defend the well. The it's like everybody, you're tempted to get the rookies. Andrew, you are complete proof that dynasty drafts are the gateway drugs to rookies right. appearing on your other rosters. Yeah. It's uh, and, and, you know, we were talking earlier about how Sky Moore in our uh, Super Sunday Sweet 16 drafts went undrafted 18, 19, 20. Uh, it's fantastic. It's going to be fantastic the first opening season week of, of free agency. I understand what you're doing. I like it. It's, does Dynasty really – if you didn't play so much Dynasty – how would you treat these rookies? Would you treat them differently or would, would you be right on top of them already? I think that's a good question. So I thought about this when I saw the show sheet. There's three rookies that I wouldn't change. And that's Brees, Traylon Burks, and Garrett Wilson. The, the, okay. the, first, the, first, uh, the three in the first 10 rounds. Um, those are guys I'm interested in. I like them. They're going to be, you know, again, looking for the upside player later in the year. Now, the later rookies... I don't begrudge myself any of them. I think my my perspective there is while I could have swapped when I got them, I want to have these potential rookies. Now I did, you know, again, you could interchange who they are. I got Zamir White, Pierre Strong, and then Isaiah Pacheco. I actually had a nice mix of running backs, of like veteran running backs, the, the boomer running backs, the Gus Edwards, the Donta Foremans. Um, I, I liked the mix that I ended up doing in the back half of the draft. And I think my point is, I, over the summer, we got a whole summer. We're going to have injuries. There's going to be a mess. And so I am in dynasty mode. And so my reason for targeting them was they're the ones that I've been looking at and studying and listening to everyone else on. And so they're ones I particularly liked. And I don't think they're good. They may be nothing. I actually, I almost hope they're nothing, Farrell. And I hope, okay. I, I realize they're nothing by the time the season starts. And then I'm going to go get a different nothing. And so like, yeah. I think that this is more of a, I want to hold lottery tickets and I think the most volatile lottery ticket um, are going to be these rookies, especially with this you know, perceived down rookie class. I either want them to be something, they're very binary, either be something or be very clearly nothing by the start of the season. 
and I'll right. just swap them out for something else. So no roster um, cloggers. No, no roster, roster cloggers. So so yeah. I think that the three that will likely be on my roster the whole year, again, barring mm-hmm. barring you know catastrophic injury, are the the Hall, Burks, and Garrett Wilson. And then everyone yeah. else, the back half of the draft is a totally replaceable player to me. Just quick quick follow-up question. Of those yep. rookie running backs, which one do you think is your best lottery ticket chance? Oh, I like I like Zamir White. I like okay. I like Zamir White in, in, in Las Vegas. Um, now again, looking for like, as the season progresses, um, if Josh Jacobs gets hurt, I wonder if he's the, the next uh, player. I know that they get a little bit of a log jam going on there right now. Um, uh, but maybe they lean towards youth. Um, and, and or, or, or again, you know, they, you know, he's, he's not, he's not up for contract and I don't know how that plays into how they're going to play him this yeah. year, but you know, I could, I could see Zamir White playing a, a three down role, uh, for the Raiders. Um, if, if Jacobs goes down. These former New England coaches with their New England by committee running back situation right. that didn't take right. you or scare you away from what? Well, again, I, I don't, I, I don't think so because you know if, if they're going to do that, the person who's going to be more hurt by that is Jacobs. You know, you know sure. what I mean? If, if 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 they're going to make a mess of the situation, um, to me that only introduces the variance that I want, uh, and, and potentially having one of the uh, the lower owned guys. Gotcha. I- I'm in a, um, a dynasty league with like um, it's a private one, like with um, Danny Miller, Lance Turvis, uh, oh, yeah. Glenn Lowy, all those guys. And oh, I was, cool. I, I, I traded my, yeah, I'm totally name dropping here, by yeah. the way, to make myself more important. <laughs> um, I, I traded away my first round pick last year. I had James Robinson on this team and, and I traded with Lance to get Travis Etienne. So I didn't have a first round pick. So my first round pick or my first pick this year was in the late second. I'm like, God, who do I get here? Like it was Amir White or or uh, uh, Allgaier from uh, from yeah. Atlanta, and I was going back and forth. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go White. And then I looked and I couldn't draft him. Like, why can't I draft? He went at the 110. So I spent all this oh time trying to figure out like why I couldn't like go <laughs> draft him. He was already gone. So I'm like, oh, I guess Allgaier is my pick here. Uh, but I'm, I'm with you on White. I think that yeah. what you've said about White makes a lot of sense. Let's switch. Uh, stay in the backfield, but let's switch the quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson, Andrew, your only quarterback that you drafted in this league. This is what we call a leading question in the industry. Does this mean you fer- you're fairly certain that he's not being suspended this year? No, quite the contrary. I have no idea, but it's just it's just the kind of no idea that again I I like over the summertime. There's one Fab run which I always like double checking. I think I even there when I did my first KFFC, I think I texted you mid draft because I, I took Joe Burrow in my first KFFC drafts last mm-hmm. year, where you know we weren't sure whether he was gonna you know come back you know fully ready to go in week one, and, and I. I I te- hey, fair. Just just confirming uh, as as I go along here, we're we're definitely going to get that fab run just in case I have to. You know, <laughs> so I I distinctly remember answering. So this is a situation where I, I don't know, and I'd much rather have the running back and wide receiver um, lottery tickets again over summer because those are going to gain value. Um, if I'm right, if the bet I make is right, and he's not suspended, great. I don't have to do anything about it. And if I'm wrong, the worst case, and I. Again, I, I wish I'd pulled the fab up, but I think a Zach Wilson who is tied to my team, so we can go back to that, right? I think that I think two is available. Um, they're not totally sexy names, but I think that in a league like this, they can help me tread water uh, until Deshaun back, uh, Watson's back, and whether that's four, six, eight, or however many games. So this is just more of a, a summer variance bet than it was a uh, full confidence that he would uh, he would make it through unscathed uh, from the NFL. There's that variant word uh, escaping into a uh, normal conversation there. Well, oh, goodness gracious. We don't want that. Hey, no. you know what? Uh, one of the thrills... <laughs> is, that a, is that a Loki reference? I was yeah. thinking the yeah. same thing. It's yeah, yeah. a Loki okay. reference. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Deshaun yeah. Watson variant. There's you guys, you guys are right. sharper than the average bear. That's all I can tell. <laughs> hey, uh, look. Last year, one of the rewarding things from college football was to focus on Sky more early and realize that on his way to 95 catches and 1,200 yards at Western Michigan, that he got better every week. And the scouts talked more and more. Usually when they start on a guy early, by the end of the season, they're, they're broken him down so much, they're looking for his flaws. Um his skill set takes him to a place that rewards wide receivers uh, throughout the roster. What's he going to do in Kansas City? How big is it going to be? I'm excited about it. Uh, I I I think you know he's. I don't think he's going to do a, a Tyreek Hill impression for sure. No. I've got my my expectations tempered there. 
Um, I don't think I'm taking him in one of the the first four, five, maybe even six rounds. Um, but but I think that you could convince me that aside from a dynasty perspective, he could he could be up there for a year one uh, where you'd maybe want more of an access to him than some of the other wide receivers than you would uh, from a dynasty perspective who maybe have uh, higher ceilings than Sky. But I I'm opt- I'm optimistic for him. Um, you know, can he? making making up numbers and well i guess I, I i did do a little bit of research for you guys i'd like i looked up darnell mooney last year mm. fields and i think mooney was wide receiver 23 or 24 in ppr and it was something like 85 um 904 touchdowns maybe got him there and am i should i expect that out of sky sky more no but if you start just doing the math of the targets and Patrick Mahomes and how I think a few years ago he didn't shy away from until Nicole Hardman proved that he was a moron. Um, you know, I don't think Mahomes was really shying away um, from uh, introducing rookies in the passing game. I think that it's, it's, it's reasonable to expect a ceiling where he could get up to maybe like wide receiver 18. Um, but I would, I would be more on the side of like, it'd be great if he could just crack uh, top 25 and I, and, or 24. And I think he's probably a fine investment um, to, to get there. I'm just looking at right now as as far as the uh, the FPC goes, the football guys uh, players championship. Sky Moore wide receiver 41 at the 807. This is in the same neighborhood as Brandon Ayuk, Tyler Lockett, and Robert Woods. So if you are betting on upside at that point, which when we get to the eighth round, if you already have a lot of receivers, I know a lot of people are betting on upside. Certainly a worthwhile investment there. Speaking of worthwhile investments, let's go to the emails. David in Queens for you, Andrew. He writes, uh, the Patriots certainly believe in Tyquan Thornton as a dynasty owner. Should I be a believer too? You're the man that's David in Queens. Your thoughts on Tyquan Thornton as far as dynasty goes, Andrew? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked. And also, I, I, have a, I have a thought that I want to make sure that I get out there. I could really use, when I go to the player ownership on the FFPC, when I click my player, I want to be able to then see my ownership and then go to hyperlink to the teams that I have them in. Ooh. You know what I mean? I'm writing this down, Andrew. I'm writing this down. I'm making sure I had an opportunity to see this. My 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 thought intern came to me earlier this week. So I was I was messing around with uh with percentages and trying to figure out which which teams I had which players on. And anyways, ne- ne- nevertheless, went went to FFPC's player ownership tab, click leave format dynasty, 15 dynasty leagues, and wouldn't you know it, I think I own Taekwon Thurton in 11 of the 15. Now, I want to be very clear, I'm not reaching for him. Um, I did, I, I'm in a, I'm in a 500, uh, triflex right now where I got him in the 13th round. I like him. He's got the draft capital. He's got some good height size. He's definitely got the speed. Now his legs came out looking a little chicken leg, but that's okay. Cause he has the draft capital and I'm not scared off from like the Patriots, not knowing how to draft wide receivers. You know, that's that, that kind of narrative. I don't think plays, um, no. over time, but I, I'm very optimistic. And you know what? He was just falling into that late third fourth, fifth, sixth round sometimes. Yeah, and I yep. could not stop myself from drafting him. Um, is that going to happen in every league? Well, I don't know. Cause it happened in 11 out of 15 for me. Um, but I would say I'd, I'd be willing to get him in, in the late second, early third. And I still think that that um, returns some, some reasonable investment just on his draft capital alone, just to get that sneak peek for, for this year. And he, is he a player? Cause you got to cut down obviously eventually. Is he a player that you don't view as a roster clogger? You're kind of going to figure out like, look, this guy is either something or he's nothing fairly early on in the season. Yeah, he absolutely could be. I think that he'll probably clog um, probably to the double digit weeks. Um, yeah. I, I think I, it is at least like my, my initial hold strategy. Um, but I think by then I'll at least have a, hopefully a pretty good idea of, of what to do with him. Uh, one other email here before Farrell gets to his last question. Frank in Norcross, Georgia. What's up, Andrew? I have my rookie draft coming up in a couple weeks. Is Snoop Connor worth a pick in the third or fourth? Seems like there's an opportunity in that backfield. That is Frank in Norcross, Georgia. I was upset I did not get Snoop Connor in my latest Dynasty rookie draft. Andrew, what are you, what are your thoughts on the Snoop in Jacksonville? Oh um, man, I were these were these emails handpicked for me because I, I I love them. I know. I can see your ownership. I also see the emails coming in. Oh, okay, good. There is a melding. I can pick which ones I read on the air for you. What a, what a I master felt like producer. This was a good one for you. This is this is a professional operation. Yes, I sir. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Snoop, allow me to uh, allow me to provide some some unfounded disinformation potentially out a uh, Jaguar source. I have a uh, I have a friend who works with the Jaguars, and uh, Dan Williamson from the Goat District and I were in a Triflex draft, and we were talking about James Robinson and when we should draft. And I said, No, 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 my my buddy's not very optimistic. So I text him. You're going to get the full Andrew experience here. This is great. I, I love him. this. And I'm like, Hey, what what's the situation here? He goes, Uh, uh-uh. uh. He's he's not going to be ready at all, James Robinson. Not going to be when, ready when for, you say he's not going to be ready at all, like through the season or no, part like, of the season. First beginning of the season, he, he's okay. he, right. he's not. Yep. And I said, well, that that's not good going in with two hurt running backs. Now he amended that to say one, so that made me feel confident that ETN uh, was was going to be ready to go for week one. So maybe that delves into a little little preview and segue. Um, <laughs> but he said that that Snoop Connor is going to get a real shot. Uh, to to be the number two behind ETN at the start of the season, and that the Jaguars like him, so I'm willing to take bets on uh, on on my friend's information because he was right about James Robinson uh, before everyone else and saw the shifting yep. tide away from uh, with Daria Agumbawale and whoever else was in that battle. Oh, I think uh, and the guy who got sick of COVID. Ne- never, oh, never. Um, ne- the Packer. Who was the Packer? Who went to the Pack? Rockwell um, Armstead. Rock Armstead. Rockwell Armstead. Yep. Rockwell Armstead. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, so he he helped me with the the shifting tides for uh, for James Robinson a couple years ago uh, in that first Fab run. So I'm I'm putting a little of faith in stock um, with obviously uh, r- rumor and some disinformation, but uh, I'm putting my money where my mouth is, and I'm putting a lot of Snoop Connor on the board. So so hi- highly recommend uh, as a dart throw in that sixth seventh round of your rookie drafts. And now you've exposed your inside source, and I don't know if we'll be getting any more inside information. And oh my goodness! And, and he'll never listen. He doesn't know. He doesn't know why I'm doing fantasy drafts right now. He'll he'll never listen. So All make right. Sure, make sure it stays that way. Don't yeah. let him ever know, so we <laughs> can keep getting this great info. All right. Here's some great info I want, and it cannot yeah. be on. And we've talked about tons of players. So here's the test. It cannot be on a player that we've already discussed, and we got you got to come with it quick because we got to say good night to you, where I can berate you for taking pits over Waller <laughs> later in the show. So I need to know. I need yeah. to know the player that you absolutely love, that you got to have on your roster, and then the guy that you won't touch. The guy, and I don't want it because you think he's hurt or because you think he's not going to be available. I want it because you've evaluated him and you don't think he's an NFL player. You've got a sharp mind. I'm expecting a sharp answer. Let's go. Okay. I, di- I didn't love the qualifiers you put to the fade, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you this for draft. You guys know this. I, I like a lot of wide receivers, so I'm not going to give you wide receiver. I'm drafting at the end of the first round this year a ton of DeAndre Swift and Joe mm-hmm. Mixon. That's who I want this year. I don't think I'm going to do a lot of Adams Hill digs at that turn mm-hmm. if I get some of those 11, 12s, uh, Mixon, and even throw in your, your guy Cook. Uh, Mixon, Cook, if he falls, and Swift is who I'm going to take there. So just real quick, Andrew, why, why, why the shift? Why the shift of running backs instead of going with some of those big-name receivers at the end of the first? Because I think that there's more that I like in the two three turn. Yeah, this year, this year, this year. Okay, this year. all right, all right. This year. Um, and then from a fade perspective, I don't think that they're necessarily out of the league or going to get hurt. But I'm going to fade big dog this year. I was absolutely dead wrong last year on uh, on Derrick Henry. Dead wrong. Got bailed out with an injury. Um, but I'm going to be fading him again this year. Uh, mm-hmm. And then one player that I don't think I'm going to be very high on is uh, Najee Harris. I think I'd absolutely rather have the the Cook, Swift, and Mixon over Najee, which I think is going to end up with uh, not a whole lot of Najee on my team. Now, I think they're players. I just think I like I think I like the Swift and Mixons more than I like the Najee. So, what? What? Why? What? Why did Harris? Why is Harris taking a backseat to those guys for you? Quite frankly, I think Joe. I have, but I've always been a Joe Mixon stand. I think he. I think he is a better. I think he's a better player than Najee Harris. Maybe that. Maybe that's a, a scorching hot take. I think Najee was very volume focused last year, and maybe he continues to get that volume. Um, but I just like Mixon in a in a better offense. Um, he is a pass catching back. He looks good, and I just I could see them um, leaning on him a little bit more. So I I'm a Mixon guy, and for the very you know, similar reasons, I think Swift great pass catcher. Um, they actually do a really good job of mixing him in and out and giving them um, the high value uh, touches. 
And I'm okay with that. I'm I'm okay with not having a total workhorse, especially with an 18-week season. I almost want my stud running back to get a few breathers uh, here and there. So I think this is just more of a, a who I'm drawn to uh, type of play than it is. Uh, I, I think I'm, uh, you know, they're they're horrible players. So uh, yeah, if, if that's a, if that's a hot take, then I'm gonna stand by it. Is I'm just not gonna take the big dog in Najee. So so they're very close as far as ADP goes. Like right now in the FPC, Najee Harris going on average at 108. Mixon 201, uh, DeAndre Sipp at 203. I'm, I guess if it comes down to it, and let's say, Andrew, you do have the eighth pick and Harris is still out there, you're going to go with like a Mark Andrews, Stephon Diggs type player rather Four than. Picks. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah. I get it. I get it. Um, I had another question for you, and now you've you've blown my mind with this Najee yeah, Harris. Thing I totally forgot. Yeah. yeah. It's, which I don't necessarily disagree with, but listen, <laughs> uh, we, we, we totally appreciate you carving out some time. We will continue to listen to you on the goat district podcast. When you are on, we will continue to follow you on Twitter at AM Schellenberg. We will continue to follow your uh, going for back to back and revelations. And quite frankly, going for a million bucks in the FFPC main event this year. Congratulations on all your success. Good luck on all your drafts going forward. We'll talk with you again real soon. Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. Andrew Schellenberg. Ladies and gentlemen, the uh, the self-proclaimed 2019 FFPC Newcomer of the Year and uh, fellow Florida State fan is a man after my own heart, which I appreciate, um, which was great. Uh, Andrew was fantastic tonight. Uh, Farrell, yes. I feel like we got um, – I feel like we got a guy – We got our money's worth, buddy. We, we did. And I, and I feel like sometimes – and I'm guilty of this too. When you have a, a, a dynasty, a guy who, who's heavily invested in a dynasty – like Andrew, but can flip the switch um, to redraft and, and kind of put that stuff to the side. And you, t- and we talked about it with him. Like he drafted all these rookies um, in, in the revelation drafts. Like, and we're t- like, ah, oh, would you want to take it back? Do you have a rookie fever? No, no way. At this, at this spot. No so I think there is a lot to like about that. I, I, I really, it's a refreshing um, a take on this, which, which I know I appreciate. I still got, I got a dynasty draft starting tomorrow. I got my KFFSC rookie uh, dynasty draft starting in about a week and a half. So I'm very excited about those as well, but I'm also doing redraft right now. And I think it's something it's very important uh, to keep in mind. I just hope you are not totally hurt at a KFFSC player like Andrew Schellenberg saying, look, I took Kyle Pitts over Darren Waller. I'm sorry. That's how I feel. You know, and, and we could do a whole show on that, Balky. I I understand what he is saying. I comprehend it. Um, it. It reminds me of when I was on the debate team in college and I had to quit the debate team because I took a position so strongly that I made another debater cry. And I Whoa. had to quit. So they just couldn't live with that. And that, that's just and, and there's so much here that makes me think that Waller is the better pick. It doesn't mean that I don't care for Pitts, but I think Pitts is uh, – there. there's a tough year down in Atlanta. And, you know, we, we talked about a lot of rookie receivers with, with Andy. We, we did not discuss much Drake London, and I apologize yeah. unless you guys discussed him uh, when, when I had to make a, uh, a brief uh, run upstairs to, to check on mom. So no worries that's... about that. In fact, we, we did not talk about Drake London, but I think that's important. And, and with our guest next week, which I'm going to tease in a second here, I think it's important to bring that up because um, all of a sudden Atlanta has Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and um, uh, Brian Edwards there, a former yes. Raider, which I think is worth discussing next week as well. So, Farrell, with that, um, I, I, I think we're going to flip the script again next week. We're going to lead off with emails because this is two weeks in a row. We didn't get a chance to get to them. I promise you we will get to them next week. Check out the KFFSC, KFFSC.com, at KFFSC on Twitter, Run to Daylight, Draftmasters, and, of course, the main event going on. we got to fill out that um, Run to Daylight this weekend on Sunday night. Right? We we have to, and, and, and hopefully we will. If not, it'll get pushed back. We're at the halfway point. Yep. If anyone would like to play, uh, come on in. It's a short field competing for a $5,000 prize. It's a good payoff. And, Balky, uh, Andy has another thing in, in common with you. He won't be joining us Sunday night due to obligations with his girls. He is a great father as well. So you guys have a lot going on. And anyone that's involved in fantasy football appreciates the time that uh, you guys give it. We thank a lot of both of you. 
Yeah, actually, it, it's funny because I wanted to get, I was like, you know what, screw it. We're doing the emails. I've, my wife's been texting me throughout the show tonight. My son is sick. I need to pick up a prescription at the pharmacy. There you go. Right after the show. So I, I was like, okay, we can't do emails tonight. That's fine. But the Run to Daylight Championship, Sunday night at 9 o'clock Eastern time. Make sure you're signing up for that. Um, don't forget about the Draft Masters and, of course, the KFFSC main event online, live in Cincinnati, and, of course, live in Louisville. Farrell, we'll do this again next Friday, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Balky. See you then. Farrell Elliott, you follow him on Twitter at Elliott, at the KFFSC on Twitter at KFFSC. And, of course, check out the KFFSC and compete against guys like myself and Andrew at KFFSC.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, th this will conclude tonight's program tonight as I screw up on this computer here. I want a couple of things I want to leave you with before, uh, important things that I want to leave you with before we sign off for the night. I want to thank Andrew Schellenberg, Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you. Next Friday, we'll be back at 10, 9 Central, eight-time FFPC league winner and a guy who's drafted a ton of football guys teams already this year. We're going to pick his brain, Jason Hamilton. He's won a lot. He's drafted a lot. He's going to tell us what to do in the summer of drafting here in 2022. You're going to win a million bucks in the 2022 FFPC main event. Remember, before May 31st, you can save a hundred bucks um, on uh, your main event teams. And of course, $500 off each additional team that will change after May 31st. So you want to get into the main event or add additional teams, save the most you can right now prior to June 1st. The Football Guys Early Bird promo is live. Get a $35 FFPC team credit when you draft before July 15th and register before June 30th. We'll do that up to three times on your account. The 2022 FFPC Best Ball Tournament Grand Prize is doubled from 100 grand to 200 grand, and the prize pool nearly doubled as well. Make sure you're signing up for that. Only $125 to enter. The Superflex Best Ball Tournament, go hog wild on that. $35 to enter, and you can win $10,000. Dynasty startups are available. In fact, I wanted to check this. So we got the Midnight Draft and the Football Guys Players Championship. We got nine teams left in that. That's starting in less than an hour. I think we can get there, even though it's May. I think we can get there. So make sure if you want to draft tonight, you're signing up for that. And then, of course, the Dynasty Startup Drafts. We have a few going off tomorrow. We had four of them that were very, very close to going off. One of them has since filled. We got a 77 that only needs one player left, and then another 77 and a 250 that are just four players away. Those drafts start up at 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. Eastern time Saturday on May 20th. So make sure you are making – be the hero or one of the heroes in that. Make sure you're signing up for those. Um, the uh, slow, live, and, of course, sit-and-go best ball options are available at myffpc.com. Um, if you want to play in a closed 12-team league like Revelations, which Andrew Schellenberg won last year, you can play uh, in those right now as well. And, of course, uh, Run to Daylight, Draft Masters, and, of course, the KFFSC main event, whether you want to draft online or live in that at kffsc.com. Thank you so much for listening and watching, everybody. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the Hot Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. Much as I would love to stick around and give you some sort of uh, spectacular anecdote, as I did tell Farrell um, when I was signing off with him, I have to run because I have to go to the pharmacy to get some medicine for my son who is very sick right now, unfortunately. Thanks for listening so much. We will talk with you again at 10-9 Central with Jason Hamilton and Farrell Elliott next Friday on May 27th. Be good, everybody. Make it a great week of drafting.